This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. That's who I am. And it's a good Sunday morning, isn't it? It's beautiful out there. What a way to kick off a nice holiday weekend. It's great to have Jessica here, too. Good morning. Good morning, Libby. You're going to be around here for the next couple hours. Yes, I am. And it was a big Big sports weekend. I didn't stay up to see that game with the Miami Heat and uh, Boston last night. Did you stay up and watch the whole thing? I did not either. (laughs) All I know is when my husband got me up this morning, he said, what a game. What a game. And I know that Dominic Catronio is going to be around in just a little while to talk about what a game it was. And also, there's other big sports news here in basketball for the city because we've got a new coach coming to town. That's right. Um, ESPN is saying that Adrian Griffin from the Toronto Raptors will be the new coach. Well, and we're going to hear more about that as the morning goes on and so much more. But of course, it is Memorial Day weekend, and this is a day that we remember the the men and women who gave it all for our country. And, uh, you know, as we kick off this day and this Sunday morning show... Um, There are a lot of disabled veterans out there that are in need of assistance. And joining us is former Marine and Voluntary Services Director John Kleindienst. He is from the Department of uh, Disabled Veterans. And John, what services do you provide throughout southeastern Wisconsin? We have a very robust transportation network in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. We also offer a wonderful scholarship for young adults, 21 years of age or younger, who volunteer their time on behalf of DAV with the opportunity for them to earn scholarship money. We award 10 scholarships valued at $110,000 annually. We also have volunteers that volunteer in the community for veterans and their family members to help meet tasks and things that veterans may have the inability to do as a result of their service to our country. So specifically, tell us what some of those things are that the volunteers have helped veterans with? We've had volunteers assist veterans in making a ramp to get them in and out of their house if they're wheelchair bound or scooter bound. We've had volunteers go over to veterans' houses and mow their grass, shovel their driveway, clean out their gutters, do little light maintenance and upkeep on their homes and to provide transportation, which is a very critical gap that some of these veterans often face with their day-to-day life as a result of injuries or illnesses that they succumb to as they age or as a result of their military service. With the pandemic, the number of volunteers has dwindled, not just for DAV, but for a lot of organizations. How important is it the volunteers to come forward? It's very important. That's why I would ask your listeners to consider volunteers volunteering for DAV by checking our website out, volunteerforveterans.org. The pandemic did put an impact on DAV as we lost a lot of volunteers based on their personal situation. And we're always encouraging listeners and young folks alike to consider becoming part of our DAV family and helping us with our volunteer initiatives. Now, you mentioned the DAV Transportation Network and that it's very robust here in the greater Milwaukee area. Are you in need of volunteers to take veterans to their appointments at the VA? We are always in need of volunteer drivers to take veterans to and from their medical appointments. If somebody is interested in becoming a volunteer driver, they can go to volunteerforveterans.org and let us know. But I'll also go ahead and let them know what the requirements are. We're looking for individuals who are 21 years of age or older, possess a valid driver's license, are insurable, and can pass a basic physical that would be conducted at the Milwaukee VA Medical Center or Zablocki VA Medical Center for everybody there in the area. You mentioned the scholarship program. 
program. This would be for high school, college students. What sort of duties would they perform as volunteers? Anything that they're doing to serve veterans and their families counts towards our eligibility. They would just need to report those hours to a DAV chapter in the area and let them know that they're volunteering their time for DAV. So they could be as simple as mowing grass or they could be picking up groceries. They could be helping veterans around their house. We've seen something as simple as changing out a light bulb show a significant impact for a veteran who could not climb a ladder and change a light bulb. Those young adults could also volunteer at the VA medical facility in Milwaukee or any of the state homes that are in the area. How do they qualify for that scholarship? After they achieved 100 hours of volunteering or more on behalf of DAV, they are then eligible. They can learn more about our scholarship at davscholarships.org. Again, we award 10 scholarships valued at $110,000. Top scholarship is $30,000. Wow. What exactly is your obligation to the DAV once you volunteer? If you can give me one hour a month to start with, you'll find out how rewarding it is, and then you'll find a way to fit more time into your schedule to volunteer. They can go to volunteerforveterans.org, sign up, let us know they're interested in volunteering. We'll reach out to them and find a job or an assignment that best fits their suitability. It's a great organization, and if you can volunteer, it's a wonderful opportunity for you to get to know some veterans. And of course, as we are starting out this Memorial Day weekend, we're going to hear a little bit later on about a Pearl Harbor victim who's finally returning home to Wisconsin. Also, as we said a little while ago, uh, the Bucks have a new coach. We'll hear more about that today. Mark Cass is here with more about the impact of what happens if we don't contribute to the funding of American Family Field. Um, Also, as we officially get into the summer season, our consumer expert, Michelle Reinen, has some advice for you before you book that vacation rental. Also, if you're a fan of Chopped, you know, the TV show, the competition, you're going to want to hear about an international cooking competition that's going to be coming to Madison this week. Also, Matt Miller's here. He's going to talk about all those summer movie openings. We'll look back at the Week in Review. Jessica's in the newsroom. Isaac's here pushing all those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Dominic Catronio and Sports. It's going to be a beautiful day today. We're going to get up into the 70s. Currently, it's 57 degrees at 814 on WTMJ. Down in Miami, what a finish for Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics trying to fight off elimination. The Heat trying to move on to the NBA Finals. And it came down to the final shot. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Now, kicked in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. Oh, he got rid of it. He sure did. Celtic Kevin Harlan on the call with Reggie Miller and Stan Van Gundy as the Celtics win 104-103 on a tip-in from Derek White. Jason Tatum led the way for the Seas with 31 points. Here's head coach Joe Mazzula. Uh, but at the end of the games like that, you know, we always, our guys talk about just c- crashing at the end of the game, giving them a chance, and D. White made a great play. So game seven in the East will be 7.30 on Monday night. Back in Boston, the winner will move on to face the Denver Nuggets. Here locally, the Milwaukee Brewers, they've now lost three games in a row, this time a 3-1 defeat to the San Francisco Giants. Corbin Burns pitched very well, seven innings, tying a season high with eight strikeouts. But the offense once again faltered, going one for nine with runners in scoring position. 
Here's manager Craig Council. And then after the after really after the first inning, it was it was wonderful. Really, I mean, he pitched pitched really really well. Uh, everything was working. I thought the cutter was moving. On. It was he just threw a lot of good cutters today. The finale of that series is today at 1:10. Our coverage will begin at noon with yours truly with Brewers warm up. And finally, on the ice, the Dallas Stars force a Game 6 back in Dallas against the Vegas Golden Knights with a couple of quick goals. Here's a free puck jam to the front. They score! It's DeLandria again! Sean McDonough on the call on ESPN. Tied DeLandria scored twice in less than 90 seconds. The Stars win 4-2. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. A lot of sports news this morning. It's 818. We have 56 degrees at WTMJ. We're going to have your forecast. And also coming up, we got Mark Cass. He's got more to say about some local teams and, uh, well, some local football and, 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 bat- and baseball S- business stories. He'll be sharing those with us. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's going to be a pretty nice day today. Sunny. These clouds are going to be high in the sky. Uh, we're going to get up to about 73 degrees near the lake, but 80 inland. Then tonight, cloudy, down to 53. Tomorrow, another great day for Memorial Day. Sunshine, a high of 75. 83 inland. And Tuesday's getting really warm under mostly sunny skies. 88 degrees inland. A little bit closer to 80 as you get near the lake. Same thing on Wednesday, but then we got a chance of a slight pop-up shower, and Thursday looks mostly sunny. Inland, 88 degrees, and a high of 80 near the lake. It is definitely summer around southeastern Wisconsin. Currently, those temperatures in Mequon, 57 degrees, 58 in Racine. Oconomowoc has 62. We're at 58 at WTMJ at 821. And you know what that means. It's time to check in with Mark Cass, the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal. It's interesting, Mark, that Rob Manfred, the commissioner for the MLB, was in Milwaukee this week, and he's saying that if we don't get those improvements done to AmFam Field over the next couple of years, there's a possibility the Brewers would leave Milwaukee. Now, are they bringing in the heavy hitters here to tell the city, you better get this done? He kind of said that, but he wouldn't go quite as far as saying it. He was walking a thin line. How about that? Let's Mm. say that. So it's interesting in that he was here. He's going around to all the baseball stadiums right now to tour them and obviously take a look at what's going on. He was in Milwaukee this week. He met with the Brewers. He met with some state leaders. Talked about this project. He expressed a lot of confidence it'll get done. But it was interesting to hear him talk because he talked a lot about the lease and a lot about how it has to happen on the lease. That's something you and I have talked about. They have a lease with the team, the state does, and the lease requires certain things. And, and one of them is the upkeep of the stadium. So they clearly are playing on that sentiment in terms of you guys need to make this happen. The problem is, as you know, that's hard for the average individual to understand. What they understand is that it's money that's going to these millionaires who play a sport. So this is a hard sell, and I think his job was to try and help this thing along. And I think people feel it's going to get done. It's just how is it going to get done? At the same time this week, Libby, I don't know if you saw, but the county board voted unanimously not to be involved in this project, not to put any money into the project. Because one of the things we've heard from up in Madison is that the county and the city should be involved if the state's involved. So that was another wrench 
thrown into this. This is a lot of political things that are going on here, people trying to see how this can get done. It'll be interesting to see after we get through the state budget and this issue comes up front and center, how it gets done. I still feel pretty confident that it will get done. It's just, I'm not sure how, and it probably will be nowhere near the number that was originally asked. It's just, you know, kind of what did I tell you last time? You don't want to watch how the sausage is made in Madison, right? Because it gets ugly sometimes. But I'm wondering, I think AmFam is beautiful the way it is. It what is. do they yeah. need to improve? It's mostly maintenance and upkeep. You saw earlier this week, they approved new money on an upgraded scoreboard. A couple of years ago, they installed new seats. You have to work on the roof. Remember, that roof is pretty labor intensive. So it's just mostly upkeep and maintenance. They haven't really talked about new things in the stadium or expansion of the stadium like that. It's more maintenance and upkeep to ensure that it stays at the level. I agree with you. I think it's pretty nice. I think it's a great place to watch a game. I think it's in pretty good shape. Think back to 2014 and 15 when you were at the Bradley Center. You knew the Bradley Center was in pretty rough shape. You could just tell just by the walking around. I don't have that feel out of it out there. I just think it's a great place. So I think that's another thing that's hard to sell. Understanding it's not a new stadium. It's not a renovation of the stadium. It's upgrading and maintaining the stadium. All right. The other big news of the week, the NFL draft is coming to Green Bay. But what's that going to mean for Milwaukee and this part of the yeah. state? What a huge story. You never thought you'd say that out loud, did you? They're going to hold the NFL draft in Green Bay in April. Hopefully it'll be sunny. Hopefully there will be no snow on the ground. It's Green Bay uh, in April. (laughs) Exactly. But this is a cool story because I think the one thing that's been lost in this whole hoopla of this, and it's a great story, $94 million economic impact, but only 20 of that is up in Green Bay. So that means Appleton, Oshkosh, and Sheboygan, and Menasha. But it's going to also be down in Milwaukee because think about the Ryder Cup in 2021. Where did a lot of those people stay? They stay right downtown here. They stay at the Fister. They stay at the Hyatt. They stay at the Hilton. They stay at the Loft. They stayed in Milwaukee. They flew into Milwaukee and they used our airport. They spent money at our restaurants. They spent money at our retailers. The same thing's going to happen here. What they're talking about is almost 300,000 people at this event. That's three times how many people live in Green Bay. So they aren't staying there unless they're outside on cots <laughs> on Oneida Boulevard. That's the only thing I can think of them. So otherwise, they're going to be staying all over the state, spending money all over the state, and just a great commercial for Wisconsin. If this goes right, and everybody thinks it will because it'll be around Lambeau Field. So this is a cool thing, but I think it's important that people think about this is not only a Green Bay event. This is a statewide event. And one thing I thought about earlier this week that I think is kind of cool to think about, think about the 24 and 25 we're going to have. 2024, we're going to have the RNC in Milwaukee in July. 2025, early in February, we're going to have the NBA All-Star Game here. We hope that. That's not been announced, but they have applied for that game, for the 2025 NBA All-Star Game. Then we'd have the NFL Draft here. In April of 2025, that'd be a pretty cool six to eight months, wouldn't it? And you're talking about that convention next summer. But there was yeah. kind of a surprise when the RNC host committee announced that Milwaukee philanthropist Ted Kellner is going to take over for U.S. Right. Ambassador Steve King. Why the change and how is that yeah. going to affect raising money? I think Steve really wanted to spend more time at home. He really didn't live here. He was working on this project. But for people who know the new guy taking over, and Ted Kellner, we all know him. We all know how important he is in this community, how hard he works on how much money he gives. To have him in charge of this, I think, is great for the effort. I think he's going to be able to open a lot of doors. He's going to be able to twist a lot of arms. He's going to be able to really work this thing to make sure it's a high-quality, impactful event, which is important because while this event is key to the city in terms of economics, but it's also important to spreading that money around, to making sure that a graphics firm makes money for this, to make sure that a restaurant makes money from this, to make sure that the hotels make money, to make sure this is economic impact throughout the region. And I think he's going to do that. Nice to see somebody who everybody knows running this effort. Finally, Mark, story I think that a lot of people are concerned about, and that's Masterlock saying they're going to close their manufacturing plant here in Milwaukee. It's going to affect a lot of people. Why are they moving? 
This is about efficiency, they're saying. This is about trying to ensure they are making the right call for the company as a whole. But a lot of shock here, a lot of anger right now from the workers and the mayor's office, from others. This plant has a long history in Milwaukee, years and years in that location, third and center, well-known plant. It was visited by then-President Obama. I think it was 2012 or 2013. He was there to kind of talk about the reshoring of jobs and how that plant was operating with more people and more jobs there. And just really a great show. And that's also a thing I've talked about this week. It's a well-known brand of Milwaukee. If you think about what we're known for, what are we known for, Libby? We're known for Harley. When you travel around the world and you say that we're from Milwaukee, everyone says Harley. And they say Masterlock. Masterlock's a well-known brand. So the fewer of those well-known things that are made here, I think, hurts the city. The job thing to me is also very tough because you have now over workers who are going to be out of jobs who now have to start to look for other jobs. And there are fewer jobs in Milwaukee. A lot of the open jobs, as I've talked about in this program, are in the suburbs. They're in Heartland. They're in Hartford. They're in Slinger. They're out in Waukesha County. And it's harder for individuals who live in Milwaukee who don't have cars to access all those jobs. So we got to make sure that there are individuals working on the issues to ensure all these workers have opportunities. They clearly work for a great company. They had good jobs. We hope that will continue in the future. Well, thanks so much, Mark. And of course, as we look back this weekend, it is Memorial Day. And I know you appreciate, as we all do, what all of those men and women who have served this country have done for us. It is an amazing thing, something we can't forget. One of the things I love in Milwaukee is the honor flight. And I know that you watched and how important it is to honor the people who allow us to live the life we live. Mark Cass, always a pleasure. Always good to talk to you, Libby, and I'll talk to you next week. It's 828, 58 degrees on WTMJ. And welcome back. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Where are you getting ready to see those movies that are all opening? I can't wait for the Indiana Jones movie. Well, Matt uh, Miller's going to be joining us about 20 minutes or so, and we'll talk a little bit about some of those films to look forward to. Right now, though, a weekend fire burned this week near Slinger. The queen of rock and roll passed away. And Manfred's visit to AmFam and so much more. It's a Week in Review, brought to you by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, back, back. As the final graduating class from Cardinal Stritch University, you are the institution's lasting legacy. Greg Koch, guitar great from Wauwatosa, one of four inductees into the Wisconsin Area Music Industry Hall of Fame Sunday night at Milwaukee's Turner Hall. To be able to make a living as a musician has been the biggest honor of my life, other than being a parent. Smoke can still be seen coming from a fire in Washington County. It shut down portions of I-41 Sunday night. The fire started around 7.30 near the city of Slinger. The flames and smoke could be seen for miles, with multiple fire crews from across the region being called in to help. Just a few hours ago, Governor Walls tweeted, once it gets to him, he will sign it, making Minnesota the 23rd state to legalize cannabis. We have the entire country of Canada, Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan. Michigan. We are a... We're a bubble. We're in a bubble. An island. He's smoking some of that weed. We are launching our 2023 Salute to Service. We are honored to be able to nominate Firefighter Augie Guerrero. I nominated Officer Ben Eady. I nominated Amanda Bates. I am nominating Officer Brandon Ernst. I'm nominating Otis Winstead. 
From the WTMJ Breaking News Center, it's breaking news involving the Packers. Greg. Yeah, John, the NFL announcing just moments ago that the 2025 NFL Draft will take place in Green Bay. This is a chance for you all to put your signature on the NFL Draft and make it really special. The Secret Service investigated a truck crash just yards from the White House. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre repeating her now daily warning about defaulting on the national debt. It is a, a recipe for economic catastrophe. You could lose your savings. Your sibling could lose their job. Your kids could lose their house. My city's budgetary situation is dire. Mayor Johnson told the Senate committee in Madison that without an increase in state aid, the city faces potential bankruptcy in two years. By 2025, the city will face insolvency, which will force massive cuts. Massive cuts. With the Howler Monkey snake button and features of the streets of Old Milwaukee carrying over, MPM President and CEO Alan Sensky says people are excited about the new museum. You know, the feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. Considered by many the queen of rock and roll, Tina Turner has died. Turner performed at Summerfest twice, once to a sold-out amphitheater show in 1997, and before that at a side stage for four shows in two nights in 1983. I'm telling you, she was just a dynamo up there. It was just something to watch. Pleasant and polite and uh, just nice to be around backstage. Who are Beatrice and Benedict? Unfortunately, that is not correct. Correct response, Beatrice and Benedict. A memorial ceremony taking place today in Uvalde, Texas, marking the one-year anniversary of a mass shooting at Robb Elementary School. 21 butterflies released in the memory of the lives lost that day. 19 students and two teachers. I know for a long time it's been hard to make progress. But there will come a point where our voices are so loud, our determination so clear, that we can no longer be stopped. Master Lock announcing they're closing their facility at 32nd and Center. We're very upset that this decision's been made. It's been kind of a mainstay in that area. So to have this closed is going to obviously impact that area. It's going to impact the community. And really, most importantly, it's, it's those jobs that are going to be lost and you're going to have to find other jobs in the area. The man in charge of Major League Baseball says the league has no interest in moving the Brewers out of the city of Milwaukee, but didn't squash that idea unequivocally. I think that um, Milwaukee is the antithesis of what has happened in Oakland, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that it stays. Brewers fans in Milwaukee across the state invest hundreds of millions of dollars in the long-term future of this club. We look over at the New York Mets outspending us by $200 million in payroll this year alone. Can you promise the fans you'll level the playing field for small market teams like us? Our principal economic challenge is to make sure that all of our 30 markets have a real opportunity to compete. What a week, eh? What a week. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. And the Week in Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. As we're getting into the official start of summer, you might be thinking about getting a vacation rental. But before you do, you'll want to know this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Got lots of sunshine today with a high of 80 degrees inland. A little bit cooler near the lake, probably low 70s. Down to 53 overnight. And tomorrow on Memorial Day, another beautiful day. Sunshine. 83 inland, about 75 near the lake. Right now we have 59 degrees at WTMJ at 843. And Memorial Day weekend kicks off these summer vacations. And before you book that vacation home, let's check in with our consumer expert from DATCAP, Michelle Runnan. Michelle, I know you work really hard and you look forward to your vacation, as do I, but 
boy, it's not all beaches and palm trees out there if you're looking for a vacation rental, is it? Oh, boy, it can be a disaster if you don't take precautions up front and do your homework and you want your vacation to be a reward, as you mentioned. So be sure that you are really evaluating any online listings and understand the services that you might be using. Because not everyone is staying at the hotel and motel. They might be using rental locations like Airbnb and Verbo, but some might be going on a different platform that doesn't have guarantees and solid payment and backups to things. And you want to be sure that the booking you're making isn't for a fake listing, that it's a legitimate location that looks and represents just as the pictures show you. So you need to do your research by validating the address, checking the phone numbers are related to the actual owner of the property or the property manager, as opposed to just being a fake phone number. So you don't end up very disappointed when you show up for that vacation. Michelle, what if you do show up and it's not the place that you thought you were going to end up renting. Do you have any recourse at that point? Well, it depends who you've rented through. If you've gone through a well-known platform, they may have those guarantees and assistance to find you something else. If you've been hoodwinked by a scammer, if you will, it might depend on how you've made payment. Did you get any travel insurance? Did you use your credit card? And maybe they have protections that can help you out. Otherwise, you may be at the mercy of the circumstance. Can you find something in short order? Because you may have wired money to make your payment and the scammers taken off and where the address is is a homeless shelter instead of a vacation rental. So you do want to do verifications in advance by just doing your research and making sure that things are legitimate as opposed to just a fake scam rental. There's something to be said about using a travel agent. (laughs) There can definitely be something to using a travel agent if you have that ability. Otherwise, just, you know, take your time and do your research and plan. All right. And again, if we need to reach you at DATCAP, What's that consumer protection hotline? 800-422-7128, or the website is datcp.wi.gov. Michelle Reinen, always great to talk with you. Well, thanks. It's good to talk to you as well. It's 846, and you are one minute away from Domina Catroni on sports right here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. The Milwaukee Brewers offense has been a non-factor over the last couple of weeks losing their third straight game now to the San Francisco Giants 3-1 to in a game they went just 1-for-9 with runners in scoring position, wasting a great start from Corbin Burns, seven innings with eight strikeouts. Manager Craig Council insists they have to get the job done offensively. We're facing some adversity. We're not collectively swinging the bats well right now. It's it's this group that's going to have to lead us to, to runs. You know what's going to happen um, whenever you go in little stretches like this. It's, it's really frustrating for the offense, understandably. It puts a lot of pressure on the pitching. But we just we just got to hang with these guys, and these guys just got to keep, keep having good at-bats and keep working, and, and the, the runs are going to come. The finale of the series and the homestand comes with the Giants today at 110. Our coverage, though, will begin at noon right here on WTMJ with yours truly with Brewers warm-up. Now to the hardwood. What a finish in Miami. Win or go home for the Boston Celtics. Win and move on for the Miami Heat. And it came down to the last shot. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. No, tipped in, but the buzzer sounded. The light was on. It'll be reviewed. 
Oh, he got he rid of it. He That's sure a did. Celtic and win in one game to Game 7. The Celtics are going to win. There's a Game 7 back in Boston. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Stan Van Gundy on the call on TNT. The Celtics survive on a buzzer-beating tip-in from Derek White. 104-103, to the final Heat head coach Eric Spolstra was fired up despite the loss. At this time right now, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but we're going to go up there and get it done. We wish we could tip this thing off right now. Right now, we want to tip this thing off and let's play another 48 minutes, but we'll wait 48 hours and, uh, and do this thing in Boston. So Monday night, it's everybody's favorite words, Game 7. The Celtics will host the Heat as Boston will try to become the first team in NBA history to overcome a 3 nothing series deficit. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. And Bucks analyst Jessica, or I'm sorry, Justin Garcia is going to be joining us after the 9 o'clock news with Jessica uh, to talk about that new coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. Coming up in just a minute, we've got Matt Miller, and oh, it's opening for the kids this weekend. We'll tell you about it and what and exactly who inspired one of the characters in The Little Mermaid. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. This one longing to be thinner. That one wants to get the girl. And do I help him? Yes, indeed. Well, Matt Miller. <laughs> He's a critic and pop culture editor at OnMilwaukee.com. Matt, you know, Ursula has always been, I have to say, my favorite Disney villain. And, of course, Ursula's featured in The Little Mermaid. But I was a little bit surprised to see exactly who inspired uh, Alan Menken, one of the composers of that that film. Uh, Who inspired that particular character? Famous drag performer uh, from, you know, the John Waters Pink Flamingos movie. And yeah, it's. As a matter of fact, I believe a lot of the Disney villains throughout kind of the history of their animated movies have kind of queer origins in a lot of way, which is very interesting. That, that is. And, and this, of course, was inspired by Divine. I mean, I kept thinking it was, you know, like one of the, you know, like a Tallulah Bankhead kind of thing, which dates me when I'm talking about old movies. But uh, when I did see this, and he just admitted that like a month or so ago, that that's exactly who inspired him for that character. But you said something I find even more interesting that a lot of disney cartoon characters have been inspired by by the lgbtq culture well they've just been kind of coded that way in in these movies in a lot of cases um yeah so a couple of examples can you give us a couple of other examples uh i mean scar kind of is you know a little uh has kind of a kind of a, an heir and from uh, the lion uh, king yeah yes from the lion king um yeah it's uh, it's something off the top of my head i can't think of a mm-hmm. lot of like particular examples but uh yeah it's always kind of been something that you know if you really want to like deeply analyze kind of the disney movies especially some of those they they do kind of have 
uh, kind of queer undertones. Well, I, in Beauty and the Beast, and I, I uh, oh gosh, I can't think of the actor who played it in the live action version, but he was sort of the sidekick to the the villain in that oh, one. Oh, yeah, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, Josh Gad. Josh Gad. I mean, he really overplayed it in terms of his attraction to... Well, yeah, yeah, and that's and that was something that they added for that particular movie as well. Uh, Disney likes to often... Disney oftentimes for their live-action remakes, in the hopes of making it seem like they aren't just retreading their old material, tries to, you know, oh, we made this new, we've added our first open LGBTQ character, and then that character has, like, maybe two lines, and their, 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 their gay qualities, their queer behavior, it is, it is nowhere to be found in the movie. It is, so it's them trying to take a victory lap for something that's not really present in the movie. Mm-hmm. All right, so, so you've seen The Little Mermaid. I, I, what, what did you think after seeing the whole film? Yeah, it's uh, it's not my uh, not my bag. I find these Disney movies uh, kind of artistically bankrupt in a lot of cases. Uh, they are just taking really good animated movies, movies that were designed, created, envisioned for animation, and instead, what they do is they try to kind of put a round animation peg into a square live action hole and you end up with bad cgi mermaids you end up with musical numbers that don't have the kind of animated spirit and color and excitement of the original movie uh and also you add 40 additional minutes somehow that don't really add to the story or add to the experience much at all except for 40 additional minutes I do think Halle Bailey is a star. I do think she has a kind of really, I think she really pops in this movie. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for her to see something that doesn't surround her with so much CGI bloat. That kind of gives her kind of something new to work with as opposed to being in what is created to be the second best Little Mermaid movie. It's an interesting way to put it. All right, so next week, I mean, we're we're going to see more of these big films opening here over the next couple of weeks. What are you really looking forward to? I'm very excited for. It's very funny for for me to be like, oh, where's the creativity? Where's the originality? And also, one of the most exciting movies of the summer is another Spider-Man movie. But next week, uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the animated Spider-Man movie sequel. I'm very excited for that one. The original Into the Spider-Verse movie is one of the best superhero movies ever made. Really tremendous animation, mo- animated movie. Arguably one of the most influential animated movies of the past ten years. Uh, if you're looking at kind of the animation style of it and how that's influenced, you know, Puss in Boots and even Pixar coming up uh, and the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, uh, the story's incredible, the animation's incredible. I'm very excited to see what they do with this new movie, and the buzz is very good as well. Uh, also coming out next month, we do have another new Pixar movie as well with Elemental. Uh, I'm interested to see how that goes because Pixar kind of had a rough go of it these past few years uh and their best movies have been kind of shunted to disney plus uh so they're kind of struggling to get people back in the theaters and back kind of celebrating the brand that was pixar and then at the end of the month you have indiana jones you have probably the last harrison ford led indiana jones movie the the buzz when it premiered at the Cannes film festival was a a little mediocre i will admit but Mm. 
I don't really think the audience at Cannes is maybe the greatest audience to debut a summer blockbuster kind of, you know, lighthearted B-movie adventure. Uh, but we'll see how that plays here, uh, here when it comes out. I, I still, you get excited. You hear that theme. You hear the end of the Anna Jones move, music. It feels like a movie. It, it, it takes you immediately back to being seven years old and watching a movie on the TV in the house. So I, I can't help but be kind of excited for it. Well, what I'm kind of excited for, and I've been seeing some previews, is Michael Keaton is back as Batman. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I think Michael Keaton could have waited, though, because you see him <laughs> in these commercials and he seems sleepy. You can no. almost see him looking at the paycheck on the other <laughs> side of the camera lens. I, but I, he I, was <laughs> always the best Batman. I, I think he's. I think it's kind of. I think it's a fun idea, but it just every time they cut. And maybe part of it is I was the the original Batman movie came out before I was born. I don't kind of have the nostalgia for that Batman movie. It's a good movie, uh, the Tim Burton original Batman. Uh, but I don't maybe have like the nostalgia that some people have for it. So when I see him, I don't feel you know like I said that seven-year-old watching a movie, you know, vibe, I feel like I'm watching a actor collect a check. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to wait for that one to open and then we can discuss it more. That's what, the Flash movie? Is that, it's That's not the Batman. Flash yeah, it's, but which, Michael which Keaton is, as Batman yeah. in the Flash. Yeah, which is, it is a little concerning that they've made a Flash movie, but they're keep, they're trying to draw me in with anything but the Flash. Uh, they're like, we've got Batman, we've got Supergirl, we've got all these cameos, and also I guess the Flash will be in this movie too, but anyways, moving on. But it has Mike, Michael Keaton. All right, listen, Matt, it is always great to have you here, and of course, if you want to read more about all of Matt's thoughts in the world, he is the media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. Thanks, Matt. Coming up right after the news, we have analyst uh, for the and studio host for the Bucks Radio Network, Justin Garcia. He's going to be joining us to talk about the new coach for the Bucks. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Liddy Collins. And welcome back. Busy hour ahead. We're going to hear more of that story of the Pearl Harbor uh, victim who uh, is coming home. We've got that a little bit later on this hour. But first, before we do anything else, it seems like basketball is on everybody's mind this morning. And joining us is Justin Garcia. He is an analyst and the studio host for the Bucks Radio Network. And Justin, yesterday, the Bucks, well, at least CNN says the Bucks have decided on who the next coach is going to be. What do we know this morning? Not official, but it does sound like it's going to be Adrian Griffin, and uh, that was one of the names that we started to hear really late last week, or even reports saying that was Giannis's preferred choice. He actually spent some time in Milwaukee as both a player and an assistant coach. The Bucks were the last team he played for, and then joined the staff of coach at the time, Scott Skiles, and that's where he got his coaching start. That kind of interests me, where you said that this sort of was Giannis's pick. Does he have that much pull with the Bucks? Well, and that's unconfirmed that it was Giannis's <laughs> actual choice. But you did hear, hey, Giannis, because Adrian Griffin, uh, we, we have since learned, met with not only John Horst and ownership, but Chris Middleton and Giannis were also invited to some of those meetings. And the accounts are Giannis liked what he heard, and the two of them hit it off. And, you know, you do have to wonder as well, as you look back at the playoffs, uh, Bobby Portis 
towards the end of the season made a very interesting comment saying, honestly, I think the thing that we miss the most right now is Darvin Ham. And, and he was that guy that was a former player. He was the top assistant on Bud's staff. And every time the Bucks played the Lakers those two times this past season, when the Lakers were in town, you could see how much Darvin Ham was revered by the staff, by the players. And Bobby Portis said, yeah, we missed him. He was a guy that kind of kept us in line, and we all looked up to and respected him. Not to say they didn't do the same for Coach Budenholzer, but that was an absence. And Adrian Griffin, in terms of their profile, seems to check a lot of those boxes that Darvin Ham did. What, let's talk a little bit about Adrian Griffin and what his background is. Now, he, he did play for the Bucks for a short time. He did. It was uh, a little over 10 years ago. It was, it was uh, when Scott Skiles was uh, the coach of the Bucks. That was Adrian Griffin's final year in the NBA. It was with the Bucks, and he knew he was towards the end of his career. He was basically a role player in the NBA, but Scott Skiles saw something in him and said, hey, why don't you join the staff next year as an assistant? Hmm. So he's been an assistant coach. He's never been a head coach, right? He's never been a head coach. He's been an assistant for over a decade, and he's been a part of some big teams. He was in Oklahoma City, where the Thunder had that trio of Russell Westbrook and James Harden and Kevin Durant, and he was there. Uh, for some of those playoff runs, wasn't there for the finals run, but was there for the 2016 season when they lost to the Warriors in the Western Conference Final. He was on the Toronto Raptors staff for the last five years, so he was a part of, of Nick Nurse's group that won an NBA championship. And he's worked for some good coaches. Uh, Tom Thibodeau, when he was in Chicago with the Bulls, he was an assistant on his staff. And the one thing that you seem to hear a lot of with Adrian Griffin is player development and working with young guys which is going to be big for the Bucks, the spot that they're in financially. But Jimmy Butler, if you go back to the Chicago days, he and Jimmy Butler really hit it off. And Jimmy Butler's credited Adrian Griffin with some of his growth and even lobbied for the Bulls, what, about seven or eight years ago, to hire Adrian Griffin as their head coach then. Yeah, how does it work when you've been a, an assistant coach for all these years? And taking that big job of it's all you, you are the head coach, what's that transition like for most of these coaches? Yeah, it's a big one. And, you know, you never know how it's going to go until you're actually in that spot. And coaches will often joke of, well, it's your first time calling a timeout and having to figure out all those things. Because when you're an assistant, you'll go through film study, you'll do scouting reports on teams, you'll have individual tasks that you're in charge of, whether it's shooting or working on under two minute drills and, and things of that nature, working with individual players as well. But the game flow, that's all on the head coach, calling timeouts, making adjustments. And it's not anything you really experience until you're in that seat. Now, Adrian Griffin, similar to Darvin Ham, uh, did serve as the head coach for the Raptors for a game or two this past season, but still it's not an everyday occurrence. So he, he's not necessarily experienced in that. We have seen first-year head coaches really take off. You think of what Yumi Adoka did two years ago with the Celtics. Even Darvin Ham, who I referenced, and what he did taking the Lakers to the Western Conference Finals this year. Uh, Joe Mazzulla is another guy you would look at and say, look, the Celtics are a game away from the finals. It's been spotty at times, but it's kind of learning on the fly, and that's what the Bucks are going to ask of Adrian Griffin, assuming this is the hire. So uh, to me, the importance now is if that's your, your choice, who is he hiring as his assistants? Because you would, you would have to think it's going to be important to get 
some experienced assistant coaches that maybe even have head coaching experience. Justin, you mentioned the Celtics. How surprised were you that they pulled this off last night? (laughs) Uh, Well, the way it went down last night, I was surprised. But, you know, this is the Celtics team I think we all expected to see. And going into the playoffs, we said the Bucs and the Celtics were the two best the best teams maybe in the league, but certainly in the East. And here come the Miami Heat. Now, I, I think the most surprising thing of this postseason, maybe not even the Bucks losing in the first round. It might have been when the Heat went up three games to nothing yeah. on the Celtics team. But I think everybody would point to these last three games. That's what you've expected to see from the Celtics all along. And it's kind of the same tone as we said about the Bucks two years ago. For whatever reason, they don't play their best until they really have no ar- margin for error. You want to stick your neck out and say who's going to win tomorrow night? Well, those are famous last words, right? I mean, <laughs> I thought for the last couple of games, it did seem like the clock may have struck midnight for Miami. So I, I do think Boston will win just because of the talent. But, you know, also I talked about underperforming and inconsistency. It would be very on brand for the Celtics. To make this nearly historic comeback, force a Game 7, and then lose Game 7 at home, where they've been a 500 team in the playoffs the last two years. Uh, It'll be an interesting one to watch. And we'll be listening to you, Justin. Uh, Justin Garcia, analyst and studio host for the Bucks Radio Network. I know you're going to have a lot more on this Adrian Griffin story over the next couple days. All right, good to catch up with you, Libby. Thanks, Justin. Always great to have you here. It's 9.15, and you're just a minute away from Dominic Catronio in sports right here on WTMJ. Down in Miami, what a finish for Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Celtics trying to fight off elimination. The Heat trying to move on to the NBA Finals. And it came down to the final shot. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Kevin Harlan on the call with Reggie Miller and Stan Van Gundy as the Celtics win 104-103 on a tip-in from Derek White. Jason Tatum led the way for the Seas with 31 points. Here's head coach Joe Mazzula. Uh, but at the end of the games like that, you know, we always, our guys talk about just co- crashing at the end of the game, giving them a chance, and D. White made a great play. So game seven in the East will be 7.30 on Monday night. Back in Boston, the winner will move on to face the Denver Nuggets. Here locally, the Milwaukee Brewers, they've now lost three games in a row, this time a 3-1 defeat to the San Francisco Giants. Corbin Burns pitched very well, seven innings, tying a season high with eight strikeouts. But the offense once again faltered, going one for nine with runners in scoring position. Here's manager Craig Council. And then after the after really after the first inning, it was it was wonderful. Really, I mean, he pitched pitched really really well. Uh, everything was working. I thought the cutter was moving. On. It was he just threw a lot of good cutters today. The finale of that series is today at one ten. Our coverage will begin at noon with yours truly with Brewers warm up. And finally, on the ice, the Dallas Stars force a Game 6 back in Dallas against the Vegas Golden Knights with a couple of quick goals. Here's a free puck, jam to the front, they score! It's DeLandria again! Sean McDonough on the call on ESPN, tied DeLandria scored twice in less than 90 seconds. The Stars win 4-2.
I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. And we'll be listening to you for Brewers Warm Up at noon today, Dominic. It's 919. We have 61 degrees at WTMJ. Pretty nice Memorial Day weekend. Sunshine today, a high of 80 inland, a little bit cooler near the lake than tonight, partly cloudy. Down to 53. Looks like Memorial Day. It's going to be, oh, another sunny day. Those temperatures, if you're close to the lake, 75, further inland, 83. Then it's going to get kind of warm for the rest of the week. Under mostly sunny skies on Tuesday, we'll get up to 88 as you go into those areas away from the lake, 78 at the lake. And on Wednesday, again, mostly sunny, same temperatures, 88 inland, 80 near the lake, with a chance of a pop-up shower. Speaking of those lakes, a lot of people putting the boats in the water this weekend. And in Elkhart Lake, we have 66 degrees. Muskego's at 67. Lake Geneva has 66. It's 61 at WTMJ at 923. The following is a paid presentation. Advice and opinions expressed during the Sunday sip are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Welcome to the Sunday Sip. I'm John Merck here, and I'm excited to be joined by my friend Jim Brzezinski. He is a partner at Tayback Law. Jim, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, John. First off, thank you for what you do for veterans. You guys do so much good. We all talk about supporting our veterans, but at Tayback, you and your team really do that. Why is it so important that we get behind our veterans and we help them and help their families, which is what you do? Yeah, well, it's truly an honor, honor to serve our veterans. Um and, and I, I want to start off saying, you know, we, the, what we do is nothing compared to what our veterans have done for, you know, the country and, you know, just for all of us. So um, it's very important to help our veterans because there's just so many that are struggling and the system is very difficult to navigate. And, you know, the last thing you want to see is a hero that just with a little bit of help could, could have all that they need and, and seeing them just, you know, not being able to um, get what they need to to function in in society, and that's an overgeneralization because many veterans that need benefits are, um, are 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 mostly fine, but they still have some sort of disability that they deserve compensation for. Um, but yeah, it's important to make sure these people are taken care of. I'm going to ask you about something that's been in the news recently in a moment, but first I want to ask you about something that people ask me about when they know that I know you. And that is that it's very difficult and complicated, Jim, to file a claim. And sometimes a veteran files a claim or their family's involved and they don't get it quite right or they get it denied. And that can be very frustrating. How do you help veterans and their families sort through making sure the claim gets taken care of in the right way? Sure. Well, yes, it is very complicated. Um, You know, a lot of times veterans are denied not because they did something wrong or not because the VA did something wrong, but because the law is so complicated that the veterans just don't know what they need to get the claim approved. So, um, you know, what we do is we help to look at the entire case, um, look at everything that the veteran is suffering from and, um, you know, get all the paperwork filed that needs to be done. And, um, you know, sometimes it just boils down to needing medical opinions. And we've Mm -hmm. got a over the past decade, we've developed a network of doctors and specialists and, you know, all the people that you need to help to make sure that we can get a claim approved for the vets that deserve it. I always say that at Tayback, one of the things you guys do is provide hope and guidance. So somebody's been denied multiple times, maybe five, ten times or more. 
you can still help them try to sort Absolutely. through things, right? You know, those are the people that I want to call me the most because, you know, look, we don't want to, we don't, the, the easy cases, they don't need our help. Um, it's, it doesn't benefit us or them to have us involved. The people that are struggling and have been denied multiple times, that's who we can help and that's who, quite frankly, can get the most out of it because if they've been denied you know, several times and they've kept their claim alive, there could be a potential for them to get a huge back pay award. The website, I'm going to give this out again before we're done, but here it is. It's TaybackAttorneys.com. TaybackAttorneys.com. Teams there that can help you, help your veteran, help you if you're a family member. Uh, Social Security can be something that's also difficult to sort through if you're a veteran or a family member that's entitled. Do you help with that? Yes, we do for sure. And, and And it can be complicated because um, because of the work rules and the way that the military is um, as far as, you know, paying into the system and things like that. So it can be a little complicated, but we can help anyone that's looking for Social Security, veterans or someone that's not um, aff- affiliated with the military at all. Um, and, you know, it's something that, again, similar to the VA, we have people who have been denied, you know, multiple times come to us and we're able to get them approved. You raise a great point, Jim, because you guys specialize in helping veterans, but you can help others, too. You don't have to have a military background to get the expertise at Tayback Law. For sure. For Social Security, that's exactly right. I want to ask you about something that's been in the news, and that's burn pit issues, Agent Orange, residual damage from burn pit exposure, the PAC Act. Can you tell us what that is? The PAC Act is huge. Um, It's probably the biggest, you know, beneficial piece of legislation to come out in my lifetime for veterans. And uh, what it does is it does a few things. Um, it allows for uh, veterans making claims for certain types of exposures. Mm-hmm. Burn pits is one you mentioned. They, they added a whole group of disabilities that are known to be associated with burn pits. And it, it really streamlines the process and makes it a lot easier for vets suffering from those conditions um, to get the benefits. Um, you know, for example, some of them could be brain cancer and, and different types of uh, cancers that, you know, for years and years, these people have been saying, hey, I know it's related to these burn pits. I just can't prove it. Um, it allows these people to get the benefits they need and, uh, you know, and hopefully make their lives a little easier. Um, similarly, with Agent Orange, one of the big ones that's now um, affiliated with Agent Orange is high blood pressure. Yeah. And, um and, and, you know, that's huge. There's, there's many veterans that have had high blood pressure before it was expected for them to have high blood pressure because, let's face it, you know, most, a lot of people end up with high blood yep. pressure. But you're having these young guys that were physically fit come back with just astronomical blood mm-hmm. pressure numbers. Um, so that's another one that is, is a lot easier. Um, and it's just it's huge. There's, the amount of good it will do is, is just immeasurable. Uh, we only have a minute left, but I see ads for damage suffered for people who are at Camp Lejeune. Can you help someone figure out if they're in that category? And if so, give them some direction. Absolutely. We uh, we work with people that are um, we work with with people who are making claims for the Camp Lejeune Justice Act. And and, and the cool thing about Camp Lejeune Justice Act is you don't have to be a veteran to get these benefits. This is an actual um, lawsuit that's being allowed to be filed, and it can be anyone that has the exposure that's needed to um, to qualify. So it could be family members of veterans, or even just people that lived close enough to the base that their water was contaminated by the the various chemicals that we know we now know are, were in those uh, in the water system. 
If you or a loved one has been denied or feel your disability claim has been incorrectly evaluated by the VA, get in touch with the teams that I trust at Tayback Law. They're the best in the business. It's TaybackAttorneys.com. That's the website. That's a great place to start. TaybackAttorneys.com. Jim Brzezinski is the partner there helping our veterans. Jim, thank you for what you do. We don't take it for granted. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, John. I, I, I really love what I do, and I love the people I help. This has been the Sunday Sip. Check out TaybackAttorneys.com. It's 63 degrees at 930 on WTMJ. You're two minutes away from Jessica Gatso in the newsroom. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News on this Sunday morning. I'm Libby Collins. On Saturday, for the first time ever, an international culinary competition is taking place at MATC in Madison. Joining us is Chef Raymond Pitts. He is from Shen. U.S. Chef Pitts, how do the chefs from Wisconsin and the rest of the Midwest compare to chefs from other parts of the country? You know, having been a past member of the U.S. Culinary Olympic team and past manager of the U.S. Olympic team, they have Olympics for chefs like they do for sports. You know, one mistake, for example, timing. you one minute late, that's one point. You're two minutes late, that's two points, just in that one segment. So, for example, if you're three or four minutes late, say four minutes, it's over. And everybody has a level playing field. The great thing about this competition is they all start out with a perfect score. Now, it's up to the student, wherever he or she may be or wherever he or she may come from, to maintain that score, that perfect score. It's up to the judges to make sure they evaluate properly and able to justify, obviously, their scoring at the end of the day. But there are no advantages. I think they stack up perfectly. They all have an equal opportunity. The tasting judges do not know who they are, where they come from, all they know is they are evaluating competitor. There's a number underneath the plate which identifies the competitor. And I feel I should not judge for the simple reason I'm the head of the whole competition. Chef Pitts, you spent over 20 years at Walt Disney World, and there are so many restaurants on that property. What was that experience like for you? Well, actually, it gave me a start with the Chandelier Sir. I've been a, a member for many, many years. My last tenure was the opening executive chef of MGM Studios at Disney. I spent over 20 years there. It was a great opportunity. I had 2,000 cooks on my staff. The company gave me the ability to get involved with organizations like the Shender Rotisseur, the American Colony Federation. It was a great experience for me. It obviously made me who I am today. I operated a French restaurant here in Orlando for over 20 years that I just sold, as a matter of fact. My last day, actually, I'm sitting in the parking lot right now. 20 years was enough for me. So now I'm going to take it easy and donate more time and dedicate more time to young students. You know, and a lot of those kids today, they don't want to hand out. They want to hand up. I'm going to do everything in my power, along with our organization, that we provide that to those young chefs. Because if we don't take care of them today, who's going to take care of us tomorrow? Chef Pitts, how long has the Shen been in existence? Shen was founded in 1248, and then obviously it went away during the war, but it came back in the 1950s. The first competition in the world was held in Switzerland in 1977, and then the U.S. came on board in 1990. So exciting that it's here uh, in Madison uh, this weekend. Yeah, it's a great opportunity it's a great facility. The commitment that Jones Dairy made to Madison College, there's a whole section in there that was paid for by Jones Dairy. It bears their name on it. My goal, hopefully, get everybody to buy in on it, 
is to host the next international competition in Madison. That's one of my primary goals, and hopefully I can talk to Chef Johnson and a whole team into doing it because it would be a tremendous honor for not only Wisconsin but also the, the Madison College because it has only in the history been held in the United States once, and that was at the Culinary Institute of America. It's a great college. The facility is absolutely phenomenal. They've been great people to work with us. And then, of course, this would not happen had it not been for the sponsors. They put together an educational program uh, for these kids on Friday of next week. That's absolutely, it's the best I've seen. So I want to again thank Philip Jones, chairman of Jones Dairy. Mariah Handler, who is the store manager slash Dustin Marketing, does a tremendous job. And Rick and all of those guys, Chef Johnson, incredible. And I want to thank all of them. Chef Fitz. Because it would not happen. We want to thank you for joining us today. It's been a pleasure talking with you, sir. Well, my pleasure, ma'am. Thank you. And if you want to get more information about this event, and it is open to the public, um, it's it's happening at MATC this week. That's in Madison, the, uh, the MATC in Madison. And if you want to learn more, get tickets, you can go to shenus.org, and that's spelled C-H-A-I-N-E-U-S dot Still ahead, we've got uh, a tease about what's happening on on, uh, Conversations today at 11 o'clock and also a story about a Pearl Harbor veteran. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. 944, we've got sports in just a couple of moments, but, uh, you know, it is Memorial Day weekend and our thoughts are turning to veterans and their sacrifices. Uh, Quentin Hatfield who is the executive director of VetsNet, talked about a World War II veteran who didn't know where to turn when he faced an unusual predicament. I'm going to tell you my favorite story, okay? In the summer of 2020, in the midst of the heat wave and the pandemic, I got a call from a veteran in New Berlin. Fred was 94 years old, a Navy veteran, World War II, a pensioner, a homeowner, and a widower. And his central air went out, and it's hot. And as Fred said to me, you know, I'm just sitting here waiting to die, but I don't want to die in an oven. So he's a great guy, one of the most hilariously funny people I've ever had the pleasure to meet. And that's something for which there just isn't any resource. But this is the whole miracle of collaboration is this. That's what we do is we collaborate. So I went to a meeting the following day of the Veterans Health Coalition, which is about 130 of us here in southeast Wisconsin who are all focused on veteran health issues. And someone just mentioned to me, you look troubled about something. And so I just spilled it. But then a half hour, a lady who had left the room came in and said, I have a friend who's an HVAC contractor. So I called him. A couple of days later, I get a call. It says, Carrier says they'll donate a unit if we'll donate the labor. And so within seven days, Fred had air conditioning. And I got to go out and spend some time with him. Delightful human being. Talked to him again last fall. He's still there. Air conditioner's still working. And he and his little fat dog are knowing very well. And Quentin Hatfield is going to talk about how Wisconsin Veterans Network helps other vets who fall between the cracks. That's today at 11 o'clock on WTMJ Conversations. And have you ever met anybody named Hatfield before? Chances are you didn't. You'll want to listen to exactly who Quentin Hatfield is related to. That's part of the story today on Conversations. You're just a minute away from... 
Dominic Catronio on sports. It's all here on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News, 946. The Milwaukee Brewers offense has been a non-factor over the last couple of weeks, losing their third straight game now to the San Francisco Giants 3-1 in a game they went just 1-9 for with runners in scoring position, wasting a great start from Corbin Burns, seven innings with eight strikeouts. Manager Craig Council insists they have to get the job done offensively. We're facing some adversity. We're not collectively swinging the bats well right now. It's it's this group that's going to have to lead us to, to runs. You know what's going to happen um, whenever you go in little stretches like this. It's, it's really frustrating for the offense, understandably. It puts a lot of pressure on the pitching. But we just we just got to hang with these guys, and these guys just got to keep, keep having good at-bats and keep working, and, and the, the runs are going to come. The finale of the series and the homestand comes with the Giants today. Today at 110, our coverage, though, will begin at noon right here on WTMJ with yours truly with Brewers warm-up. Now to the hardwood. What a finish in Miami. Win or go home for the Boston Celtics. Win and move on for the Miami Heat. And it came down to the last shot. It's off the smoke for the seventh game. Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Stan Van Gundy on the call on TNT. The Celtics survive on a buzzer-beating tip-in from Derek White. 104-103 the final. Heat head coach Eric Spolstra was fired up despite the loss. At this time right now, I don't know how we're going to get this done, but we're going to go up there and get it done. We wish we could tip this thing off right now. Right now, we want to tip this thing off. And let's play another 48 minutes, but we'll wait 48 hours. And, uh, and do this thing in Boston. So Monday night, it's everybody's favorite words. Game 7. The Celtics will host the Heat as Boston will try to become the first team in NBA history to overcome a 3-0 series deficit. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. That is going to be quite a game, Dominic. There's no question about that. We have uh, 63 degrees at 949 on WTMJ. And in just a moment, we're going to tell you a story about a Wisconsin sailor who's finally coming home. It's a beautiful day today. Sunshine. We're going to get up uh, the upper 70s. Who knows? Maybe even only 80, a little bit cooler near the lake right now in Cedarburg, 69 degrees. Oak Creek has 66. Brookfield's at 69. We have uh, 65 degrees at WTMJ at 9.53. A Wisconsin sailor who was killed at Pearl Harbor and never found has now been identified. And after more than 80 years, he's coming home to be buried this Memorial Day. WTMJ's John McCure has his story. As the waves rolled in, December 7, 1941, began quiet and beautiful at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. A cherished son from Wisconsin was there. 25-year-old David Riley from Judah in central Wisconsin was a radio man on the battleship Oklahoma. Deb Krause-Smith is a distant cousin. For them, I think it was an ordinary day. Um, the, there were ships that were um, moored there at Pearl Harbor. They were, some of them were not on the ship. Um, they were uh, on shore. Some of them had families there. It was a Sunday. It was, a, from what I understand, a beautiful Sunday morning. The day quickly turned to anything but ordinary. The USS Oklahoma was torpedoed, and the ship 
actually within 12 minutes capsized. And so there were people who were able to get off the ship, but some were trapped inside. Um, from what I've read, the ship turned almost, well, it did turn upside down. And so um, the people left inside were even disoriented because up was down and down was up. And uh, there were some men who were able to, to get out, but most of them that were left on the ship did not. Many, including Riley, were trapped for days as the massive ship became a steel tomb. David was one of them. And I'm, you know, I kind of think like, you know, why did he have to be one of the 429? More than 400 sailors died and hundreds of men couldn't be identified. They were buried at the Punchbowl National Cemetery of the Pacific in massive caskets. The men were there for almost 75 years before being exhumed in 2015 because of advances in DNA testing technology. Initially, one of the caskets they opened, they thought would be, you know, four or five, the remains of four or five sailors. And it turned out there was over 100 sailors in one casket. Riley was identified and Deb Krause-Smith is now hopeful he and his family can now finally rest. The sad part for me is that... Um, when he went to the Navy, I think he was just starting to find himself uh, because one of the last letters that he sent home before Pearl Harbor was that he was starting to realize the seriousness of life and that he had missed opportunities along the way and he intended to make that right when he was done with his service. But he never got that opportunity. And in quiet Judah, Wisconsin, population 400, David Riley is coming home. I'm just happy. I, I think it's wonderful. And I, I'm glad that there's going to be some closure to this whole story. On this Memorial Day weekend, it's a goodbye, 81 years in the making. It's a wonderful feeling. And it's not so much for family members, but for the community. John Merkier, WTMJ News. John, thank you so much for bringing us that story on this Memorial Day. Um, speaking of veterans, at, uh, join me at 11 o'clock this morning when we talk with Quentin Hatfield, who is the executive director of the Wisconsin Veterans Network. And he has some stories about veterans who fall through the cracks and how they can get help. Also, coming up after the news on the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, uh, Brian's still on vacation, but David Wickard and Tim Holdman are going to break down some of the vocabulary and buzzwords that you hear as you're looking for that new home. I'm Libby Collins. Thanks for joining us today. Eric Bilson's going to be here on Wisconsin Morning News, a special Memorial Day edition tomorrow morning. Have a great day, everyone.